For all you lovers of the Beehive State, welcome to the Utah Fan Club Podcast. Where we're spreading the buzz about why Utah is the bee's knees. This western state is quite the hub to learn more. Join with us at the Utah Fan Club. Having the opportunity to interview all these amazing local businesses here on this podcast has given me the desire to start my own. My little corner of the Utah business world is called Reminis Audio, and my desire is to take the hard work out of preserving your memories. So you might be thinking, what exactly is Reminis Audio? Reminis Audio provides the opportunity for you to give a unique personalized gift. So maybe you're getting your siblings together and you're recording memories of your parents and what you admire about them. Or perhaps it's getting your grandparents to share their advice to their posterity. Or maybe it's a gift to yourself to document your love story, your child's birth story, or the obstacles and trials that you've been able to overcome. The thing that I enjoy most about audio is that you get lost in the story. You stop looking at how the person is dressed or what they look like, and you just focus on the words. With video recording, it's hard to forget that the camera is there staring you down, documenting your every move. But with audio, after a few minutes, you forget the microphones are there, and it's just another conversation. If you're interested, if you want pricing, if you're just curious, head on over to remnisaudio.com. That's R-E-M-I-N-I-S-C-E audio.com. I just want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. And as a sign of my gratitude, you will get 40% off the entire order with the code UTAH40. That code is good for multiple orders until October 1st, 2019. Also, before I forget, we have gift cards as well. So head on over to Remnus Audio, and I hope I get the opportunity to help preserve your memories. Hello, this is Tracy Robbins King, the cheerleader, and I'm back. She's back, and she's married. That's why her last name is King now. It's pretty exciting. (laughs) And today we're interviewing Damon Burton. This guy is so accomplished. So we're actually like, we feel lucky that he's taking time to talk to us. Yeah, we're feeling pretty special right now, guys. (laughs) He started this company over a decade ago called SEO National. And from that, like he speaks at all these events. He's been featured on BuzzFeed, USA Weekly. He's optimized websites for Fortune 500 companies. He's pretty legit and he's also extremely knowledgeable about seo if you don't know what that means search engine optimization and some of you might be thinking this is going to be boring search engine optimization i can't even say it search engine (laughs) optimization um especially if you're a small business owner or a large business owner or you have a website if you don't have a website you probably don't want to listen you don't need us we're just going to be real yeah very it's kind of technical yeah but if you do Listen, because he's going to give us all the knowledge, so let's give him a call. To start off, what's, you said that you had a story that you wanted to share. We're all about stories. About the name, how we pronounce well, your name. Yeah, yeah. You so yeah, I got, I have two recurring themes with my name, so uh, it's Damon Burton, but my wife, who I've been married to for 13 years, has a twin brother who calls me Damien, and I don't know how many times we've told him that that's not right. He just says, I don't care, you're Damien. (laughs) So there's that. And then um, 
I'll pick up the phone call and I'll, uh, at the office a lot of times and I'll say, you know, something like, hello, this is Damon. And they say, hi, David, is Damon there? And I just kind of have to sit there and go, yeah, speaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm a school teacher and I'm the person saying those things, so... Calling the wrong the name. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. No, more power to you. My kids are like, uh, you know, school obviously just started recently. And I have a my second son, he's in kindergarten. And when we, we walk up and do the line to go in school, his teacher's already calling like out the names of like the 20 kids. And it's like day two. I have no idea how teachers do it. You take pictures of them with their name tags, and then you memorize their names at night. They did do that. You're right. She <laughs> you did take a picture of them. Way to share all the secrets. Uh, <laughs> well, Damon, you have quite an impressive like resume, and you're on all these podcasts. It's sort of intimidating interviewing because I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, it's like trying to think of different questions and stuff. So, and Damon, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I just got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard with phone calls because we like talk all over each other. But yeah. we want you to go first. Yeah. Tell us what you're going to say, Damon. I just wanted to say thanks for having me. Yeah, feel free to ask whatever. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, in a position where I've been, I've been fortunate enough to have a successful career, and kind of my latest chapter, you know, success or enjoyment is just kind of giving back a little bit and helping out other entrepreneurs. So I'm, I am happy to give away the farm. I, I will tell you my entire business model and not hesitate. So throw it at me. Awesome. Well, how about it? (laughs) So I'm just curious from your experience with the success that you have had and people seeking out your wisdom, do you feel like there is an equation that anyone can follow to actually have success? Yeah, I I mean, there's, there's definitely consistent things that anybody can do, but I've also come to accept that you know obviously we're all different and we all learn differently and we all have different passions so there's some variables that come into play but I think the some of the biggest things that always stand out when I try to help other people is is the first thing you 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 got to be patient I mean I think social media has kind of distorted uh, aspiring entrepreneurs perspectives and social media provides instant gratification, and then there's all these new, fancy, shiny opportunities to market, whether it's Facebook advertising or a funnel. And, and those things are all great. There's nothing wrong with them. But I think that because they're so dominant in, in what newer entrepreneurs see in the online space, because that's where they're brought up is the online space, that they forget about all these other opportunities, and they get an unrealistic view that like it doesn't matter what you're doing. you got to hustle and grind, and you got to like do all those cliche words and the bottom bottom line is you just got to work and so i i would say consistency and patience is well two things first you got to start um, mm. i think too many people overthink it and once you start you got to stick with it there's like a hundred other sayings about overnight success usually takes about 10 years you know things like that and it's totally true you might get lucky every once in a while but the Mark Zuckerbergs, they're one in a bazillion. Um, I mean, all these guys that get home runs and unicorn businesses the first try are like 1% of a percent of a percent. It's just not realistic. And everybody else, you know, you're not an expert until you're an expert. And to get to be an expert, you just got to put in the time. 
Yeah. So I'm curious too, though, in that regards of putting in the time, um, what has been your journey to get to this spot? Can you? Well, I'll try and give the abbreviated version because I've had a lot of like little blips on my timeline. Um, So I first got into the internet space when I started a little hobby site. It was a little uh, car enthusiast website. And there, there's even further backstory behind like why I started it and this and that, but we'll just start there. And so I, I had this site for a while where I basically profile cars that, you know, nice cars. And, and I'd have these little bio sheets that I'd kind of carry around with me. And, and anytime I'd see somebody with a nice car, I'd say, hey, tell me about your car. And I'd, I'd fill this stuff out. And, and then I'd basically just translate that bio information onto a little profile page onto a website. And fast forward a couple months, and I found out this is kind of before Google Analytics was real high profile, and before there was a platform called Webalizer. It's probably still around, but you know Analytics is the, the dominant reporting system now. And so I was in Webalizer, and I saw that I was getting traffic, and so I said, "Oh wow, I had no idea." And from there, I said, "Well, how do I how do I get more traffic?" And so then I started looking into improving my design skill set and learning better design concepts. And then as the traffic on that website grew, I I said, hey, how do I monetize this? And from there, I started exploring marketing. And so that's how I got into the two main areas of my career was with design and marketing. It was just kind of based off a hobby site. And then from there, I I did it on the side. And once I built up enough of a a little side hustle, then I, I said, hey, my my design my day job is taken up 50% of my time my my day job is producing 50% of my income my side hustle is producing 50% of my income but my day job is taking up 80% of my time so i kind of did the math and i said at what point would i feel comfortable cutting out that 80% and being able to lean on that remaining 50% and turn my side hustle into my full-time job and and so i decided I decided that moment would be when I could pay my bills. And so I would cut out the disposable income, which obviously sucks, but I would free up that 80% of the time and take the risk knowing that the chances of catastrophic failure are pretty minimal because I can at least pay my bills. And so when that point arrived, I made the jump and and, um, freeing up that time, that 80% of the time really helped expedite getting that income back. I think it only took me maybe six, eight weeks, something like that. Wow. Wow. and so from there, I just, I, I scaled. And then, you know, that's that's 12 years ago. So then we could go into the whole stories of 12 years between then and now. But that's that's how I started. I'm really curious because, okay, so I'm someone that, like, you're talking about how you love seeing the traffic to your website and everything. I've never looked at the stats for any of the mm-hmm. podcasts that I've done. And so, like, SEO never means anything to me. But now that I've started a recording company called Remis Audio, it's like I want people to go to the website, you know? And and so, but I don't even know where to begin, you know? And I'm sure you get that all the time. Like, where do you even begin? Like, I know on WordPress it has, like, Yoast SEO, and I'm like, I have no clue what this is, you know? And so, yeah. so can you give us a little bit, and I know you talked about this before but like what what's like seo for dummies like where do you even start it just seems so big so overwhelming how do you even get there yeah let's let's kind of first define seo for listeners that might not be familiar so seo stands for search engine optimization and basically what that means is getting your website to show up on the top of google without paying ads 
for words that you can monetize. So the the there's like you said, there's a ton of things going to go SEO, but you can you can condense them primarily down to two categories. So the first category is what you do on your website, and the second category is what you do externally. So kind of the external credibility that you build, the reputation around your website. Now the the second category is what's going to eventually build up most of your exposure. But that category, the external credibility, is only going to be as strong as that first category is solid. So what I mean by that is you first have to make sure your website loads quickly, is mobile-friendly, has some basic search engine structures that uh, basic structures in place that search engines look at. And then once that's done, the majority of your increases in exposure and your rankings and traffic are going to come from playing the popularity game and building up the perceived credibility. So the, uh, I can, I'll throw out a couple free websites you can use to get kind of started on each of those. Um, for the site structure, you can use a website called gtmetrics.com. It's just the letters GT and then metrix.com. And GT Metrics will tell you what's slowing down your website. Now, it's it, it's a little bit technical, so some of the stuff's probably going to not make a lot of sense. But, you know, figure out what you can understand there. And then you had mentioned WordPress. WordPress has some tools to connect to GT Metrics to kind of help dial it in and translate it a little bit easier. But that's where you want to start is make sure your website loads quickly. And then I also mentioned mobile-friendly, so you can Google the phrase Google Bubble Friendly Test. And that's another free website where it'll tell you, hey, what, where are you doing good and bad on how mobile-friendly your design is? And once all that's done, unless you break something or add a whole bunch of new content or change your or redesign your site, like once that stuff is fixed, it should be fixed. And so then you focus on where I would suggest um, people new to optimizing their website start next is a content strategy. And the reason why I suggest that is because all the other options get into more technical things, but content, like you guys are all subject matters in whatever you do. So like you and podcasting, nobody knows your podcast better than you. So you need to start writing about that podcast and writing about the guests you've had and writing about why your podcast is unique. And then over time, people and search engines are attracted to the unique value propositions and the unique content and just the uniqueness and the characteristics of what you present. So, so basically, you know, why is Google going to rank you uniquely unless you have something unique to offer? So the content is by far probably the, the lowest barrier to entry for somebody to start building up that, that search engine reputation for their own site. And so content is more with the words, not just audio that's my thing like I hate writing you know so I'm like sweet put out an episode yeah. people can listen but it sounds like to get that content it has to be more like a blog post well for you you could take two approaches for, for you specifically so the easiest thing you could do is, is use something like happy scribe or any other transcription service and just transcribe all your audio and there's all your words and so mm. that's that's one option now, the only thing that you're missing in doing that is there's going to be a lack of consistency across your guests because your guests all bring something unique to the conversation. And so, like, if you want to be really known for business podcasting or self-help podcasting or whatever your category is, and you have these guests that all bring a different story, and, and you know, when you do a podcast, 
a lot of the times you just let the conversation go wherever it goes. So even if you bring something on about somebody on about business, they may talk about how they grew up on a farm and, and it has nothing to, to, in the transcription. It would sound like to Google that there's very little to do with business. So in that case, what you do is you could do, you, you could do two things. Um, one thing is, is you could just set aside by yourself with your mic and then just ramble about whatever you would like to have be a content piece and then transcribe it. So you don't have to do it as a conversation. You can do it just yourself and then get that transcription that way. And tra transcription services are going to be, you know, off by 10%. So you still want to go through it and make adjustments and quality control it. But that's one option. And so that way you can make a real intentional effort to have words around whatever it is that you want Google to associate your website with in addition to the transcribed guest conversations. And then probably the last option that you could do for content is you can use a service like iWriter.com. It's just the letter I. Um, I used to use iWriter a lot before we hired out our own in-house content writing team. And what you can do at iWriter is kind of like a freelancer-based auction kind of system where you go there and you say, hey, um, I want to write a – I need a, an article written about – the top 10 reasons why you should start a podcast and it needs to be at least 700 words long and here's the bullet points that I'm thinking that you should cover and then you give it a price based on the, the quality of writer you want so a, a basic writer is going to start out at 15 bucks and then whatever level is above that is 20 bucks and then it just continues up and so you could do that and then that way if somebody does all the writing part that you don't like and then when they give it back to you, you just proof it and make minor adjustments to make sure it aligns with your voice. So in regards to if you are a small business owner, if you're somebody who um, isn't a podcaster, but you're a small business owner, how would they be able to build traffic to their website if they're offering a service that is only online? The, the concepts, uh, I might ask you to elaborate here a little bit, um, because generally speaking, the concepts of SEO apply to any website, big or small. Um, the biggest difference is how, how much and at what frequency um, do you do those things based on the level of competition. So, for example, when we get a new client, when we have a new lead, the way that we base our proposal on is we say, okay, is it hyper-competitive like weight loss where that's a service that is uh, anybody in the world would want and so there's no geographical limitations and there's a lot of money being thrown at it and so it's really competitive. So because that's more competitive, that's going to take more content, more graphics, more videos, more assets, more everything. And then the second thing we look at is what what are the geographical targets? So is it um, a service in just a city, maybe a local dentist in a small town, or is it a law firm that's statewide, or is it a brand that's national or even, even international? And so depending on the combination of those, that's going to kind of define the competitiveness of the SEO campaign. And so, you know, it kind of depends on, on that. Um, th does that answer it any, or, or do you want to dial it in a little more? Well, so I was, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about, I mean, there's plenty of people who I think are local business owners and would like to drive maybe more business too. But I feel like I'm specifically thinking of somebody who owns a bakery and I'm thinking uh -huh. about how would she drive more business to her bakery 
as a local business owner with an actual brick and mortar building? We could answer it two ways. I'll let you tell me which path you want to go down to. Do you want Do you want me to kind of give insights strictly from an SEO perspective, or or offer other alternatives and the pros and cons of all of them? Both sound good. Yeah, both. <laughs> I love this like choose your own adventure pathway. <laughs> yes. Okay. Behind this door. Yes. So, you know, so I'll answer it both ways. So on the SEO side, um, it's going to kind of be the same thing we've already talked about. You you got to make sure your site's mobile friendly, loads quickly, and has good content. Now, SEO is slow, so this gets into the pros and cons of the different options. The reason why SEO is slow is just because of the logistics of all of the things we've talked about. It takes time to make a mobile friendly website. It takes time to fix the site structure errors. More importantly, it takes time to produce a ton of content on a consistent basis. And then once that content is produced this week, well, Google has to find it, and it has to decide what to do with it, and it has to shuffle around the rankings, and then it has to come back next week and see your new blog post and decide what to do all, all over again. So that's the negative side of SEO is that it's a, it's a slow process. Now, the positive side is it has a lot greater sticking power. So with paid options, which I'll talk about here in a minute, with paid options, you know, if you want to increase your exposure, you have to increase your budget. Uh, if you need to decrease your budget, then inherently you're going to decrease your leads and your exposure. With SEO, it's the opposite, and that's the pro. Once SEO kicks in, it has way greater sticking power. Um, even if you do paid ads on Google, uh, people get what's called banner blindness, and so they they know that's an ad, and, and they skip over it. I'm willing to bet you guys do the same thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. An ad. Yeah, and so those ads get overlooked, and the non-paid organic results, which SEO influences, get an average of 10 to 40 times more clicks, even though the ads are positioned above them. So your traffic is astronomically higher, and then let's say you just have like a really rough month where you can't blog for a couple of weeks, you're not going to dramatically drop. You may you may notice like a minor little dip if, if it's consistently if you're consistently dropping the ball but it's not like paid ads or if you shut off the ads for two weeks like you're out of business for two weeks that, that's kind of the pros and cons of the SEO side now the other side like you talking about a, you said it was a bakery that mm-hmm. you're thinking about mm-hmm. so like with a bakery I mean there's all sorts of things you could do the first thing that you could if it were me I'd probably start with Instagram because a bakery is something that's more visual, at least in how you present it online. Mm-hmm. It's not like if you did a, a word-based ad that talked about how delicious things smell. Like that wouldn't communicate the same thing as just a really amazing picture. So I would start on a visual platform like Instagram and do some local targeted ads and then figure out who your your either your ideal or your most common customer is based on historical sales and and if let's say it's you know moms that are 25 to 40 then within instagram target women ages 25 to 40 so that way you exclude wasting your budget on other demographics that are less likely to be interested in what you offer so instagram or you could take that same concept with facebook um paid so going back to the pros and cons of the options the, the pros of paid ads are they're super quick. I mean, it, it might take six months to a year to gain traction on SEO, and it could take you six days on paid ads. So they're a lot quicker, but the, the main downside is that you always have that budget associated with it. So, you know, if you want to scale more, you got to throw more money at it. So if I was just thinking about, just because I'm talking to you, I'm like, well, um, 
if I have, I'm an educator, right? And there's always been this idea for me that I feel like there's this space or this need for more practical ideas that are just, that you can, like a podcast, right? Where I actually interview educators and just get them telling me things that they do in their classroom on a practical level and ideas and things like that. Um, but I'm, I'm always wondering like, how can I actually access my teachers? You know, like, how do I get to the teachers? Do I post on Instagram and follow teachers? Like, how does, how do you target a very specific audience? Yeah, that's a good question. I was actually thinking the same thing. So it depends on who that audience is. So to, to kind of give you examples, um, you know, teachers, I would not do paid ads on Instagram. I would probably go Facebook. Um, now, see, the reason why is a bakery, the product is visual, like you're playing on, um, right. you know, satisfying uh, uh, an internal desire to have tasty food. And so you need to represent that with visual stimulation. With educators, they're they're probably more interested in contextual-based research and posts and content. Um, and so I would go Facebook for that reason, plus that the ability to target is probably a little better on Facebook's platform because Facebook doesn't care. Like they didn't add the like button because they thought it was cute and people think it's cool to like stuff. They added it so now they know you're an educator because you, you continually like education stuff. Oh, creepy Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) You're just barely catching on to this. (laughs) I actually don't have a personal Facebook account, so (laughs) I'm not really on it. Yeah, I mean, so any pages you like, any content you like, they build a profile based on the types of content that you engage with. And so they make assumptions and then they turn around and they basically anonymously sell those, that profile data to buyers and so they don't go in there and they they don't it's not like you can log in and say hey show me you know damon burton in in salt lake city show me what he likes but what they do say is do you want to serve your ads to mail check damon's at uh that is in Utah, check. Damon fits our demographic that is into internet marketing, check. So then I get pulled with all these other people that have the similar characteristics. And and so nobody knows it's directly Damon or staff or anybody, but you get directly served that ad. And so you can go in and target ads based on, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of out of touch with the educational space as far as like the types of conferences that they go to or if there's any major faces um, or industry celebrities in that space but I'm, I'm willing to bet that there's some sort of recognizable either organization or person and they probably have a Facebook page and if that's been liked then you can do a like audience and serve ads directly to anybody that has liked that asset on Facebook oh. and so I would find out who those where those audiences exist already and then you could target directly them i feel like though everything that you're talking about i mean it's making sense as you're talking but i feel like seo is a foreign language because (laughs) to some people it clicks and to other people it's just like where do you even start you know like you gave us those keys of like to make sure that your your website is running smoothly and everything but it just i i think more than anything like you said, it's not that instant gratification. Like it's going to take time. Do you feel like you're sort of like a cheerleader to people and like just stay with it? Like it will be worth it. 
Um, no, not really, because I've been fortunate enough that I've I've built up uh, a relationship with other established businesses, and once you once you start working with people at a certain level, then they kind of welcome you into their inner circle and refer you to other people. So I've been fortunate enough to to work with some great businesses, and uh, they continue to refer me to other great businesses. So usually by the time people come to me, they already know what SEO is, and and they just want somebody that they can trust to do it. So I don't have to do a ton of sales. Um, usually when, when the lead, obviously I have to do sales, but it's not like in the example that you were giving where I have to um, break it down from, from the very beginning. And so usually the type of sales process that I have to go through is is somebody that's um, been exposed to SEO before, they know the value in it, but there's so many other bad guys out there and, and just in internet marketing in general that just go on money runs and want to cash checks and not deliver results. And so a lot of the conversations I have are, yeah, there's some bad guys out there and and here's why they burned you and here's how they did it. So I definitely have those conversations. But, um, you know, to, if I wanted to kind of ignore that for a minute and, and discuss more directly your comment about being a cheerleader, it, it's kind of funny. Um, it hasn't ever really been a topic until lately and i think it probably in the last year and i think it boils down to what we're talking about about how social media has started to groom this um breed of marketers that are looking for instant gratification and and only until the last year or so is i'll talk to people and they're like oh that's a thing like you're not paying google and uh yeah so definitely in the last year it's um not not directly my clients but but yes the discussion is there a lot more than it used to be Interesting. And and I guess as you were talking about how there's people out there that can take the money and stuff, it's sort of like that story of the emperor's clothes where it's like, oh, I'm designing this fancy suit, but only people that are smart can see it. You know, no one wants to yeah. claim that they can't find it. Like SEO, it's that thing that you can't really, I mean, you can see, but it's not that tangible product. So I guess that makes sense that yeah. people can get taken advantage of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because even if you do it right, you're it's gonna. If you do it right and you're lucky, and it's for a small competitive market, it's still gonna take several months. So where you're dealing with, you know, maybe a more competitive space or a higher profile client, it can easily take a year. And so you have to really establish a relationship and trust and set expectations for for you to be able to close a deal where you say, hey, you're gonna pay me thousands of dollars a month, and you're not gonna see anything guaranteed for six months and then even then you're just going to see the needle move but you're still not going to get any money back and then you're still going to need another six months before the needle moves far enough that you start getting your first penny back so yeah there's there's definitely a lot of um, room for the bad guys to kind of work in the seo space um it, it just in marketing in general i think there's a lot of gaps in between when the service starts and, and then when the return happens but i think seo has a longer window in it how did you actually get that to to become your bread and butter like to get as good as you've gotten at this has it happened just by the efforts that you made of course like you explained at the beginning but how have you continued to refine that and understand the actual business or like how it works, right? Like how SEO works and have the patience to stick it out. That's a good question because it partly highlights um, the opposite where, or part of the problem I think with, with 
other SEOs and, and why they don't last. Because I think they get caught up too much in the shiny things and the new things. So if you break down SEO, at its core, it's still the same thing that it was 12 years ago. Um, there's just different ways to do it. And so what I mean is you still need a nice design. Like you want people to come to your website and it, it's aesthetically pleasing and it's easy to navigate. That hasn't changed, but there's new ways to design things. And then the site structure is, you know, the, there's certain little snippets of code here and there that Google's going to look at more or less than other places. That concept hasn't changed, but those snippets of code may have changed. Um, and, and then, you know, content, unique value propositions, that's certainly nothing new, and not just SEO, but in any form of marketing, but the ways that you present that now are different because it's desktop versus mobile versus app versus this versus that. And so at its core, everything is still the same. Like, you just got to understand that and then go, okay, how do I apply that to these new things that I need to apply it to? And so... I think a lot of other SEOs are, are like, oh, hey, here's this new thing. I'm going to beat it until it's dead and abuse it. And then, and then Google comes along and says, wow, everybody's really abusing this new thing, so we're going to devalue it. But Google's never going to devalue great design and good content. So mm. the, the, I, I think that it's probably the answer is probably the opposite to your question, and it's just like finding the right things to be consistent about and and those are the majority of your strategy. And, and there's probably SEO companies that can deliver results maybe a little bit faster than us, but they probably won't last as long as us. So do you feel like you've become good at discerning what companies are going to do well just based on what they offer? For sure, yeah. Um, I can look at a website. I, that, that's part of the discussions is when a client comes, when a lead comes to me and they say, hey, I've had SEO before, even if they haven't done SEO, I go ahead and audit the website because – I, it's in my best interest to know what I'm getting into so I can properly structure their campaign and their strategy and the pricing and the expectations. So it's interesting to me that other companies will charge for an audit. I mean, I get it. It's time. Um, but I don't because I want to be able to know exactly what we need to strategize for. So that's one thing. You can look at a website and if somebody says, hey, I've had SEO before, there's certain content pieces and variables in certain places that are common amongst the SEO industry. And so if those are missing or empty or they're done, a lot of times I'll see things done in an old school manner. Um, usually if something's wrong, you'll notice really quick. Hmm. And do you feel like you've become, I mean, as you've done this search engine optimization and and filled this space for the time that you have, do you feel like you've actually gained – I mean, it almost seems like things are saturated. It's a saturated place on the online market kind of thing. And maybe that's just my perception as like a larger, just somebody kind of looking in these things that we can do to – like with design, making sure that your your website does load fast – uh, making sure that you have the proper coding in my ultimate question is like, how does somebody who just wants to start a website, would you just tell them to start with looking at their product, their idea, and then looking at their design of their website? Like if this is just like a basic person who has an idea and you're like, that's a good idea. Now this is how you would build a website or actually get into this market. Yeah, it's, it's going. Um, I, I would ask them what their intent is once the site is built, 
because a great example, a lot of times I get asked, um, hey, I, I'm a new business and I want to start SEO and I just built my own website on Wix. And like that right there is a deal breaker right at the gates because the like Wix and Weebly and GoDaddy's page builder and whatever all these free things are, um, you know, th- that's cool. They serve a purpose to get a website up quick and free, but you can't market them because they don't have all the things you need to touch and feel and to optimize. And you just don't have access to all the things that you need to have access to, to update the design or the code. So I would ask what their intent is. And so if it's just to get a website up and that's it, and yeah, use those free ones, Wix and Weebly. Um, if, if you do have a marketing strategy in the near future that you'd like to pursue, then that, means you don't do Wix and Weebly. And then 99% of the time after that, I'll say WordPress because WordPress has everything that you need access to. You have full control over it. You can change the design. You can improve the speed. And it has all the little areas that you need to input things for SEO benefit. Now, the, the rare circumstances where I might suggest something besides WordPress are usually if it's a commerce-based website. So then if it's a commerce-based website, then uh, sometimes I'll suggest Shopify or BigCommerce. Uh, usually the decision to go with one of those instead of WordPress will boil down to uh, the, the two most common things off the top of my head are, do you need to integrate with other shopping platforms and shopping channels? So do you need to feed your product over to Amazon and eBay? If you do, then, then WordPress's cart, which is called WooCommerce, probably is not a good idea and I would say go with Shopify. Um, you know, there there's cert- there are certainly ways you could do it on WordPress. It's just it would take that much extra time and effort. Um, so usually it's not worth it. And and then kind of the other time is let's say you do go with WordPress for your e commerce, um, then usually that's for a lower quantity of SKUs because I've noticed that WooCommerce, when you start to have thousands and thousands of products, it can slow down the back end and, and I don't experience that with Shopify and BigCommerce. So that, that's where I would probably start to to decide what path you want to go to on a new site. Oh, I learned something. I know. And so you talked about like these plugins with WordPress to speed up the website and to help the SEO. What are some of your favorite plugins that you recommend to people? Uh, we'll start with the one that you mentioned, Yoast. So uh-huh. Yoast SEO is a great one. How do you use it? <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing to consider with Yoast is um, you, you don't want to just turn it on out of the box. Uh, there's there's so many features within it that, that you can turn off and on and tweak and adjust that you kind of have to educate yourself a little bit. Um, there's I've done some posts. I can't remember uh, which site of mine. I don't know. So seonational.com is the business site, and I keep a blog there. So if you just go to the blog and search Yoast, um, it might be there. And sometimes I have my personal blog where I talk about business and SEO, and that's just DamonBurton.com. Between one of those two, I've written about Yoast a dozen times. And in those, there's there should be some content where it says, okay, once you've installed Yoast, change these couple things. Now, out of the box, it's better than nothing, but you can really maximize it a lot further if you make minor adjustments. And they're pretty easy to make. You just got to know what you're looking for. I have like from Yoast is that you can switch like the picture size for Facebook or different yeah. things. Like I'm like, oh, I like that. I've figured out how to use that. <laughs> but, like the rest of the stuff I'm like, I don't yeah. know how to do. 
Yeah, Yoast is cool. It's got some overlapping features for social social sharing benefits. So yeah, yeah, Yoast is great. It's it's kind of the go-to for for the SEO things that it addresses. Now, some of the things that it doesn't address, um, like there's a plugin called WP Smush, and what Smush does is when you load an image, there's all this hidden data on the image. So, and not all images have this, but your image that you load, especially if it's from a phone or a camera, like it's it's not a stock picture, like it's your picture, uh, a lot of the times your device will store the latitude and longitude where the picture was taken and like the aspect ratio of the picture and the aperture of of the you know the speed of the picture was taken and all these things. And so you don't see that when you look at the picture, but it's in the data. And so WP Smush, when you load it, it will rip out that data. And so that way you still get the same visual image, but it's not as bloated as far as a page load. But I feel like it makes it grainier with Smush. Or maybe I'm just doing it wrong. It, it depends. Like you, there's um, there are some settings where you can like go for greater page speed at the risk of some pixelization. But I almost never notice it. Uh, at least I take that back. I mean, if you're looking for it, sometimes you can find it. But um, like for the majority of the people, they're never going to notice the difference. But if it's for like a photography blog or something, then yeah, for sure they notice. Um, any other ones for like speed? Yeah, yeah, I'll throw out one more. Um, WP Fastest Cache. It's a caching plugin, and so what that does is it tries to kind of take a little snapshot of the code on your website, and then it'll when a page loads, instead of having your your visitor's computer try and go, oh, you know, I need to load the logo and the content, and then what's next? And their browser's trying to figure it out as it's loading. So what a caching plugin does is it takes a little snapshot. And then when a visitor comes by, it just goes, oh, hey, we already have the snapshot ready for you. And so it um, will greatly improve the page speed. Um, you, sometimes you'll have to experiment with it because you've turned off or on the wrong things. It can make the site look a little funky. Uh, but usually out of the box, it's pretty safe just to turn it on and, and activate. And then, um, like, if you use that that site I mentioned earlier, gtmetrics.com, what I like to do is, is if a site's running slow, I'll run a page speed on gtmetrics. And then let's say it comes back with, you know, nine and a half second load time, then go install WP Fastest Cache and turn it on and then go rerun that report. And you'll see that nine and a half seconds cut down to three seconds. I've even seen it cut down to like 0.8 of one second before. This is actually fascinating to me, even though it's like nerdy, because on one of my sites, it's been like loading slow. And I didn't want to smush the picture because I love how the pictures look. So I got like WordPress Rocket or whatever, and I was like paying for it. WP but I'm like, Rocket. yeah, but I'm like, yeah. I don't really notice the difference. And so do you feel like these apps yeah. that you can pay for are beneficial or are those sort of the things where it's like, eh, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. They can be. I don't think we have, we have a couple plugins that we use that are premium. Like one is called WP schema pro. We, we don't need to get into what it does, but like I, my, the point is that if we average, let's say we average 10 plugins that we add to uh, an SEO client site that's based on WordPress, probably nine of them are free. Really? So it's definitely doable without you just kind of know what you're doing. And that's not to say we haven't explored the, the paid ones. We've spent a ton of times kind of testing this plugin versus that plugin. And and these are just the ones we narrowed it down. Even that WP Fastest Cache is one that we changed within the last three months. So we were using a caching plugin called W3 Total Cache for years. 
and then we just said, hey, there's some things that aren't making sense on this, and, and so we started experimenting with our caching plugins again, and WP Fastest Cache was by far had the best results, and then it was just a bonus that it was the easiest to configure too. I mean, even if it was more complicated, we, we were in it for the results, so we would have went for it that way, but it was just nice and it's easy. I love that you said the nine out of the 10 are free because I think that sometimes you think with these plugins or whatever, I mean, I get sucked into stuff. It's late at night. I'm trying to get something a little faster. I'm like, screw it. I'll just pay the money, you know? <laughs> are you more for the higher end or do you work with like smaller businesses or do you have referrals of people that people can work with? Like, So most of my clients are kind of medium to large. Um, and, it, and it's not like I love working with small businesses. Usually it just and it ends up not making sense economically because yeah. just the logistics behind the amount of stuff that we set up and execute on a campaign, like even even on a small end, if it's a client in a in a space that's less competitive and they have a very specific location they're in, so there's less geographical competition as well. Even in that case, it's still probably around fifteen hundred bucks a month. Okay. Just based on the amount of content that we have to create and the things we clean up, but our average client is—they're probably in the range of twenty-five hundred to five grand a month, and then you uh-huh. know, sky's, sky's the limit beyond that. So, if you are not actually using your services, but you want to gain the skills, where do you go? There's a couple of places. Um, if you search Moz, M-O-Z, Moz is kind of like the most recognized um, outlet from just like the general population. So it's not necessarily used by, they have great tools and we use some of them, but it's not like the go-to resource that everybody in the industry goes to, but it is definitely the most well recognized like just across just everywhere and so because of that they've built up a lot of great resources over the years and and there's i can't remember the name of it i think it's just like moz seo guide or moz starter seo something like that and it's it's a huge document i mean it's dozens and dozens and dozens of pages um and so it's a it's a great resource for exactly that just to start um, the book, yeah, so the book is tentatively titled Outrank. The draft is done. It's just going through editing right now. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. don't write a book. There's my advice. Seriously, everybody <laughs> I've ever talked to says the exact same thing. <laughs> I know, I know, yep. So Outrank will go through the process of, like I tried to balance, um, you know, storytelling with the technical insights of SEO, but I had to add the storytelling aspect because let's face it, SEO is not the sexiest business. <laughs> and so so there's some stories in there and some of them we've kind of covered where I talk about how I got into it and then even some you know more interesting stories about some side projects I've monetized and, and this and that. And so I, I balance that to kind of keep the attention as I walk through like the A to Z of SEO, you know, how do you start with that first category? We talked about on-page optimization, and then once that's done, how do you get into the ongoing process of building content? And then once the content's written, what do you do with it? How do you build up the popularity? How do you show up in the news? And so it's a it's a total roadmap. So that's a good resource. And then um, uh, I have a, a free Facebook group that I can throw out the link later and and that it's just a totally free Facebook group. I just drop little 
tips and tricks here and there. And when I work on a client site, sometimes I'll hit record on the screen and just kind of break down what I'm doing. And, and so that's an option too. Hearing you talk though has gotten me excited about being like, okay, I want like, I want to listen to everything that you're saying and write it all down. <laughs> but it's like, I'm excited to go for this site that I feel like is running slow to go and to see the difference between changing the plugin and going to, what was that place called again that you said? GT metrics. Yeah, and then going to GT metrics and seeing how it gets faster. I can see how after a bit when you start doing it, it becomes like a fun game where you're like, oh, if we Mm -hmm. tweak this a little bit, then this can happen. Yeah, for sure. I think that's part of the interest why I've I've stayed in SEO for so long. It's it's a great balance of consistency, but also with new stuff. Um, Just because, like we talked earlier, the consistency is the good structure, the good content. And then the the new stuff to keep you interested is, like you said, either experimenting or what we talked about, the new things that come and go. Like, okay, here's a new concept. Can we work it into our existing consistent processes? So we have the, the safety and quality control of that, but the experimentation to see if we get any better results. Uh, I mean, if if we got time, I'll tell you my last week's experimentation. Tell us. So have you guys seen the new video that's going viral on YouTube about Tom Cruise running for president? No. <laughs> Apparently we aren't watching. <laughs> so there's, there's a new video out and it's by this impersonator named Miles Fisher. And he does this video called Run, Tom, Run. And he's like running in the desert and he's like, I'm Tom Cruise and I should be president because I've been uh, a NASCAR driver and I've been a Navy pilot and this and that. And then it just goes through this whole skit. It's really well produced. And at the end, it's got hashtag run Tom run. And then it's got like banner text running across the video that says run Tom run. So when it was done, I was like, this is great. This is funny. And so I went to run dot run Tom run.com and nobody owned it. And so I was oh, like, really? well, I don't own that. And so I went back to look at the video and they bought Tom Cruise, 2020.com instead of run Tom run.com. So um, what I did is I went and bought runtimerun.com, and then I redirected it to seonational.com slash run, and then I built out a page on there that embedded the YouTube video and um, and gave gave him all credit. I didn't make any claim that I had anything to do with the video. In fact, I say I don't have anything to do with the video. But the point of this and how it ties into SEO is like this is like the this is like the fun side and the unique side and the creative side is like you can do these th- these funny things where now if you search if you go to Google and search hashtag run Tom run I got like two or three of the first results that come up and they go to SEO National or talk about SEO National and so now when I got when I saw the video it had a hundred hundred and three thousand views and then I saw the opportunity that it was going to go viral and so I hurried set up a website. And bought the domain. By the time I was done with that in like 90 minutes, it was up to something like 106,000 views. And then within two or three days, it was up to 200 something thousand views. I don't even know how many views it has today. But the point is, like, all these people, the reason why this benefits me for SEO is because Google will pay attention to how long a visitor is on your website. And so the fact that people are now coming to my website and sitting there for two minutes to watch a video, that's increasing the amount of time that people are spending on my website because most people that go to that page are going to stand and watch that two-minute video in its entirety. And so that's kind of a tactic that's called newsjacking 
where you know you become the subject matter or the expert or the perceived subject matter of something that's trending or you know if there was something unique that happened in government politics and you have any sort of uh historical experience in it then you go out and you put out some news or content about it and you jack the news where people go oh hey so and so put out something let's go to him as a subject matter expert and then they start to quote you and they start to link to you and all those things build up the credibility of your website that's really cool and that's probably fun for you to like amazing yeah (laughs) like what that's what you do for fun huh damien huh (laughs) that's what you do yeah that's what i do for fun yeah (laughs) i I go i go hijack trending videos <laughs> that is seriously so fun my my students would be like what do you do what does that mean <laughs> yeah, that's so <laughs> that's amazing. your students would say let's say who's tom cruise <laughs> right exactly yeah. they'd be like wait who is that yeah i'm like uh, oh man well we're so grateful we got to talk to you is there anything that you like any parting advice for the self-help soul inside of me that's always looking for self-realization is there anything that you would Uh, share with somebody who's just trying to innovate in a world that's telling you to innovate actually all the time yeah um i'll throw out that facebook um, group if you go to ways to rank.com slash facebook it'll redirect you to the the longer facebook url um so that'll take you right into the group it's just an open group and like i said it, there's there's no catch in there I'm not pitching anything it's it's just where i drop little tidbits of uh whatever comes up throughout the course of the day that i i think i can um help educate somebody on something about and then i'll just drop a little tidbits in that group awesome well thanks so much well, thanks for giving us this hour of your time. So we appreciate yeah, that. And so thank late so at much. night, we really do appreciate it. So well, All right, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Talk okay, to you bye, later. Damon. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Utah, for listening. You can find more information at DamonBurton.com. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, WaziTech, Utah's premier IT support company. They will help you with any of your IT needs. Go to www.wazitech.com. That's W-A-Z-I-T-E-C-H.com. If you love the beehive state, we're here to tell you why it is great. From Lake Powell up to Bear Lake. Our scenery you just can't fake Our number of counties is 29 All with plenty of places you can dine This western state is quite the hub to learn more join with us at the utah fan club Mm -hmm.